Here comes Melvin to the 25, to the 20, Gordon 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Wisconsin, record-breaking run, Melvin Gordon, 4-0-8. And while there are a lot of fantastic places all across our country to spend a fall weekend, if you were to ask me today if Madison, Wisconsin is the best of all of them, I would borrow from Bono and say, it was Saturday night. Sideline the front court. Snaps off another three. Booked it. Oh, my goodness. Don't wake him up. Taylor's on fire. Welcome to the Bucky Cast, a Badgers podcast by the fans, for the fans, and with the fans, where we will always turn our backs on Minnesota, where we will always appreciate that six foot four, 330-pound pulling guard, and where a 42-40 defensive slugfest in the Cole Center is not ugly. It's a defensive masterpiece in our eyes. Wherever you came from and however you found us, we hope you enjoy your stay and on Wisconsin. Welcome to the Bucky Cast. Justin here with John and Ryan and special guest Drew from the Husker Board. Looking into some Nebraska football this week. We're going to dip into a preview of the Big Ten. And we wanted to bring in somebody who give us a little insight into the Nebraska football program. How are we doing, everybody? Good, man. We got uh, Drew. How are you today? I'm great. No Thanks for uh, having me on. I really appreciate you guys letting me, let me no join one, guys. You asked the, you asked the, you asked the stranger nope. before me. Fine. I'm doing, great. <laughs> I'm doing great too. John, you good? As long as you know your place. There you go. <laughs> so there is, this is uh, kind of a cause for celebration. Drew is actually our first, I, w- I wouldn't say first guest, but I would say first real guest. So yeah. we're, we're super stoked to have you on board. Um, small confession to make, the Huskers growing up were actually my closet team. Like I had a Bobby Newcomb jersey on my wall. I used to follow Carlos yes. Polk's like career religiously. I was awesome. amazed when Marlon Lucky came to Nebraska in that recruiting class that he never ended up, you know, the five star running back from California. So um, my stepdad was from Nebraska, so I used to watch games with him growing up, and um, so I'm super. I have like this this deep interest in Nebraska. When they came to the Big Ten, I had to stop rooting for them. Like I can't root for two <laughs> Big Ten teams. That was kind of the end of my Nebraska closet fandom, but. Well, I mean, um, to be fair, you were put in a bad spot oh. with their first game in the Big Ten being uh, <laughs> against the Badgers. <laughs> you were put in a bad spot? Yeah. <laughs> Justin, don't alienate well, the guests. Ryan, you don't have Ryan was put in a bad spot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything about it. I was just talking about fandom. It's a tough choice to make when your first, first game together in the league is uh, two teams that you like. Yep, it was it – was, it, I was stoked to see Nebraska join, though, just for selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, come to the Big Ten is a program that I grew up following. Um, obviously, has a huge national following. The pedigree's there. The history's there. And I think most Big Ten fans were, were really excited to have the program come in, which that might be the first question we lead into. Having been in the Big Ten for several years now, um, having a pulse on the Nebraska fan base, does the Big Ten feel like a conference Nebraska belongs in now? Or is, do you, as a program, still feel a little bit like a visitor? So I definitely think... Um, given the, the, the strain on the 2021 season, you know, Nebraska feels as though they are playing football in the big 10. I don't know if they feel that they are a big 10 member. Um, it's, it's been an interesting ride so far. Obviously Nebraska has a lot of self-inflicted wounds since we've arrived. So whether it's coaching turnover, whether it's athletic administrator turnover, um, you know, we have a lot of things that I think no matter what league we are in, you know, would have been um, causes for either review or issue. I think the the thing is with Nebraska athletics, 
Nebraska has long been a program that prides itself on, you know, standing its ground. And that's part of the reason that we left the Big 12 in the first place was, you know, the sort of influence that Texas had and the um, ability for them to get other members of the Big 12 to fall in line. You know, Nebraska lost the Big 8 rivalry with Oklahoma when uh, the Big 12 formed from the Big 8 and they added the Texas schools from the Southwest Conference. Um, and then obviously as you move into the big 10, you know, it, the initial reception was great, right? The, the two top 10 Wisconsin, Nebraska programs, battling it out on ABC college game day was there. Lee Corso did pick Nebraska <laughs> to win. I just want that on the record. Not win. Um, but you know, it couldn't have started off on any, any higher of a profile. And I think initially the move was extremely well received by Nebraska fans. I think if you talked to most, I would say grounded or centered Nebraska fans, the move has been fantastic. From an academic standpoint, you can't beat it. We lost our AAU membership when we were transitioning into the Big Ten, but the ability to partner from a research standpoint with in, you know, institutions like Northwestern and Michigan and other schools that, you know, have that academic level of pedigree, I think, you know, has been incredible. I think from an athletics standpoint, Nebraska has maybe struggled to adopt and find its ground. And you look specifically to the records in football and basketball. I think ESPN just had a piece that showed, you know, Nebraska's been a pretty middling program really since, you know, especially the the first couple of years, which were great. But as you start to focus on, um, you know, the more recent past, it's it's been a struggle. But to my earlier point, I think a lot of our struggles have been self-inflicted. And I'm hopeful that with a new administration in place, core set of coaches that you know understand they're going to be here for the long haul uh these are things that you know could be changed and that, going that kind of leads me into a question I've, I've always wanted to ask um nebraska fans um this nebraska was obviously you know a fantastic program in the 90s um it was in the late 90s they were virtually unbeatable everything yeah. was working great tom osborne retires and frank solich takes over Obviously, he didn't last. That led to Bill Callahan, which led to Bo Pelini, which led to Mike Riley. And now we're in this, the situation. You're in the situation you are today. Um, what? Because obviously things things have gone awry a little bit. What what hurt the program more? Was it was it the firing of Frank Solich or, or was it the firing of Bo Pelini? It's a great question. And I. I'll start again by saying, you know, to me, most of Nebraska's, I guess, wounds or most of Nebraska's struggles are all self-inflicted. And so you're asking me to choose, this, you know, between two of the biggest wounds that we've, you know, put on ourselves um, in the last 20 years. I don't know that the Solich firing is as big of a deal as it's made out to be. And what, what I say by that is, if you think about from a, just an overall program standpoint, how Nebraska was viewed how Nebraska still adopted to the overall landscape of college football. You know, Frank Solich was let go, and obviously that coaching search was was boshed, to say the least. But Bill Callahan came in and was able to land some really high-quality recruits. And people kind of forget, but, you know, with Bill Callahan as coach, Nebraska played a really high-profile non-conference home game against number one USC, Um on ABC, Saturday night, prime football. And, you know, it was a roster loaded with five-star talent and high-level guys. Sam Keller, you know, uh, famously who, you know, sued for the EA Sports video game was the quarterback. And, um, you know, it, that was a – it was still viewed as a big-time college football program. 
And so I, I think it's almost revisionist history to look back on the Solich hiring and say, well, you know, they fired him after a nine-win season. At the time where Nebraska was in the space of college football, you know, I don't think that was that outlandish of a, of a decision to make. The oh, Bulk- you guys were used to being double digits. Exactly. You know, and, and I mean, even you start to think about like, you know, Nebraska has played, Nebraska in 2001 played for a national title. So it's not, it's not that crazy to look back on it and say, you know, hey, we still have these expectations of, you know, being and competing at the highest level on a regular basis. I think the Bo Pelini thing is fascinating to me because, you know, here's a guy that is winning nine or 10 games a year. And I think, you know, as a Wisconsin podcast, you can probably take great joy and appreciate the fact that the the biggest straw for a lot of Nebraska fans was the Big Ten title game when we played you guys. And we had beaten you earlier in the year. Granted, it was, I think it was by a field goal. You know, we came back to win that game. But, you know, a 7-5 and five Wisconsin team that finished third in their, in their division who really shouldn't have been in the title game. They were in there from technicality purposes. Um, I think Ohio State was ineligible, and Penn State, I think, also finished ahead and was yep. also ineligible. Um, you know, went into Indianapolis and hung a hung a 70-piece on Nebraska and I think ran for over 400 yards. Roughly the and, same number of yards um, Melvin Gordon ran for in 2014. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're going to bring up the snow game. We <laughs> no, can. Was, the start of that game actually wasn't that bad. And then, you know, you know no, and then, and then it just did, really went down. Was it the title quickly. game or was it the that 2014 game where Melvin Gordon just – in the in the second and third quarter, just ran Nebraska's defense into the ground. Um, it was cumulative. It, I would say it was cumulative. And the thing with Bo was there was very clearly a ceiling, and there was very clearly um, we were really good at beating teams that we should have beaten, and we were pretty bad at competing with teams that maybe had either more talent or you know were favored against Nebraska and. I think as a college football fan in general, and maybe as Wisconsin fans, you guys can appreciate this. What you want more than anything, even more than probably being good, is you want hope. Like you want the hope that your program can take the next step. You want the hope that you can start recruiting at a higher level. You know, you guys just brought in the best recruiting class you've ever brought in. Like there's reason to believe that there's hope for you guys. I think with Bo Pelini at Nebraska, it had just sort of ran its course to the point that, yeah, he didn't want to be there anymore. The fans didn't really have, you know, any sort of thought or reason to believe that the program was on a, a better trajectory than what it was on. And we sort of just wore what we were. And so what I'll say to answer your question I think the bigger reason we are where we are is the firing of Pelini, but I don't say that because of the win-loss record. Like, I can't blame Nebraska for trying for more. But, I just can't. Uh, I just can't. As a fan, I would Riley, rather them try for – I would – as a fan – no, but, but you can't okay. – but those are two separate like, – uh, right, yeah. really, that's, that's really, those, those are two separate – things right like yes firing, very much. firing a coach that has won nine games and 10 games in a year is very different than hiring what i think all nebraska fans at the time were like who is this guy that mm-hmm. wasn't a popular hire i mean for nebraska no, fans yeah. going back and looking at, at it it was not something that was celebrated 
No. I mean, I remember. shaking his head. I remember. He has that look on his face like, like oh, God. <laughs> I remember. I mean, I remember we had, and it's funny because as a fan, you talk yourself into everything, right? But I remember Absolutely. Yep. seeing the news come across and like doing a quadruple take and being like, who, who is this guy? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then you start to talk yourself into things, right? You're like, well, you know, Oregon State, like, you know, do they have the, the financial commitment? Do they have the administrative commitment? But it turned out, you know, honestly, Nebraska didn't have the administrative ability to create a good athletic program. And and we can talk a little bit more about the current, you know, administration if you want. But um, I think Nebraska is in a much better place today than they were when they moved on from Bo Pelini. So I don't think, to answer your, to answer your question, I don't know that either decision was the wrong decision. I think it's easy to look back with revisionist history and say, yes, you know, firing Frank Solich or firing Bo Pelini was the wrong move. Um, but I think the reality is, is that, you know, the hires that came after them sort of lead you to that decision. Whereas if you think back to the circumstances that led to that moment, it's, it's you know, a little more up in the air whether that was the right move or not. And then I think that leads into um, the very obvious next question with Scott Frost. Yeah. Uh, uh, And it's kind of a a multi-part question here. The first is, you know, how obviously how hot is uh, Scott's seat? And then as a Nebraska fan uh, and someone who deals with a lot of Nebraska fans, you know, is there still that level of patience for a guy who achieved so much at Nebraska as a player who obviously had a great season, you know, as a coach? Where is that level of patience right now? And and where do you see his, his seat right now? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I think there's two sort of lenses to view it from. I think from a national lens, right, there's people that are kind of saying, okay, Scott needs to produce, you know, a great season this year. What does that mean, right? Like people like people love to put numbers on mm-hmm. that. They love to say a win total. He needs to win X number of games. Well, the reality is if you look at a lot of these like strength of schedule metrics, Nebraska's got – definitely a top 10 type of schedule, probably a top five type of schedule in college football. You know, they're at Oklahoma. They play Ohio State at home. Their crossover division opponents are at Michigan State and versus Michigan. Um, like, it's not in either at Wisconsin, obviously, towards the end of the year. Like, it's not an easy schedule to navigate. And so I'm not making excuses for it, but if you, if you take a look at some of the advanced metrics, like a SP Plus or, you know, any of those kind of things, Nebraska really isn't that bad of a team. I think the projected SP plus rating for Nebraska this year is 30th. Like that's really not that bad. But when you're playing a schedule where over, you know, half or over half of the teams are above or essentially at your rating, you know, your record may not have a chance to reflect that. Um, the question about how hot is his seat, you know, I think that Trev Alberts came in the other day and had his press conference and pretty clearly said he wants a chance to get to know Scott. You know, both were players at Nebraska. They were there both in the 90s. They both were not there at the same time. But I think part of the reason that Trev was hired and part of the reason that they wanted a guy with Nebraska ties is they wanted to have the opportunity for, you know, Trev and Scott to grow together and to both be there for a long time. And so I don't know that Scott's seat is, you know, if he wins six games this year, I don't know that anybody's calling for his head. Honestly, if he wins five games this year, I don't know that anybody's calling for his head. I think the only way that you really see some trouble is, one, it depends on how they're playing down the stretch, right? If they lose 
which has been the story of Scott Frost, they lose a lot of close games and they're competitive with teams that either are better than them, like a Wisconsin or an Ohio State or even a Michigan. Or even a Michigan. I love it. You know, Thank you for that as, moment. <laughs> well, you know, well, they've got their own. They, they've got their own. They've got their own things going on. But and actually, I want to. I want to put it out there. Bill Connolly says the three percent chance to win that game. So um, love you know, it. I love maybe, it. Maybe I should be expecting to win that game. But you know, I think those are like you're having different conversations than if Nebraska is getting you know worked on the field on a regular basis. And if you're looking at the team and they've given up. I think that's a separate conversation. And I think Trev, part of the reason also he's been brought in is he's not afraid to make difficult decisions. He got rid of an extremely popular wrestling program at Nebraska Omaha, which was a national champion program. He got rid of the football program there and they moved up to D1. Um, he has proven that he has the ability to make difficult decisions. But I think, you know, there is proof in the pudding that Nebraska is getting better. The recruiting ratings have been good. They've had some transfers, but they're still recruiting at a top 20, top 25 level class rating on a consistent basis. And the hope is that, you know, with maybe a, a lighter schedule moving forward and, you know, the the development of those guys that it winds up showing on the field as well. Justin, you get to ask a question now. Justin. Sure. Did you want to jump into your transfer sure. question? Anyway? Yeah, actually, um, I, I did have a question regarding that because we've, we've noticed over the last couple cycles, um, the transfer situation there, and I, you can speak to it, obviously, guys having a little yeah. bit more insight as to what's actually happening going on. And it, we, I know the last couple cycles you guys have, have had some people that left fairly early. Typically Florida recruits, yeah. which I think we can all agree are some of the most fickle players that typically are in terms of recruits. Um, That's fair to say. Is there anything that you guys have seen that seems to be show any type of consistency or anything there that you're noticing or that they think might be a cause here? I really I don't like to um, make excuses for people leaving, right? Like everybody has their own reasons for leaving. And whether you want more playing time, whether you disagree with the direction a staff is going, whether you're, you know, in the middle of a pandemic and you're 1500 miles True. from home and you want to just go home. Like, mm -hmm. I totally understandable. Right. I can't like the it's, there's certain instances that I, I can't judge players for leaving. Now there are definitely instances of players leaving where, you know, I think, Scott, especially as the play caller on offense, deserves maybe some some blame. And I think Wanda Robinson is is a big, you know, instance of that. Obviously he's got a very influential father in his life and he wound up back in Kentucky and is gonna be the feature point there. And I, part of the reason he left was he vocally said he was not being used in the right, you know, capacity. And I would agree with that as well. He was moved to running back a lot last year. Um, he was not put in a position for himself to succeed. But specifically speaking about the Florida transfers and you know some of the other guys that have left, I think one every college program has attrition. That's just the reality mm -hmm. of of the current landscape of college football with the transfer portal. But I think two, you know, if you look at if you look at especially last year with college football, like COVID was such a big impact. Oh yeah. And especially when the Big Ten announced they weren't going to play and then they reversed course and saying they were going to play. And, you know, like I 
I completely understand a guy like maybe Keyshawn Green, right? He decides mm-hmm. to go back to Florida. He's a, a top 150 guy. He's like, I want to play football. Goes to FAU, and guess what? He's already left FAU as well. So there are instances where maybe it's on the player. There's instances where maybe it's on the coaching staff. I think ultimately, as a staff, you're responsible for creating a culture of inclusion. But the reality is, given the pandemic, given the the new normal of college football, I mean, you can expect four, five, six guys. It's just kind of of what it is. So, Yeah, we're headed in one of those directions, which I'm not totally sure is going to be a positive impact. opens up a whole new can of worms. On the landscape um, of college football. We'll leave the the lid on that for now. Uh, (laughs) That's a a whole different discussion that we could occupy (laughs) a series of podcasts. It's a conversation that's like two Um, hours long. I guess that sort of takes us – First of all, I, I, I just wanted to say I, I noticed you um, I'm having a sip of a beverage, and we haven't done a beer roundtable yet. So, uh, Drew, uh, why don't you go ahead and, and tell us what you're drinking? Yeah, it's a Wicked Weed Pernicious, um, and it's IPA. I, I'm a big fan of, of IPAs and um, North Carolina beer, so I have to stand strong with What's North Carolina. And, um, I live in Charlotte now. So. Wicked Weed. Wicked Weed? Yes, and it's a pernicious IPA, so highly recommend if you have the chance to to try. Uh, very, very good. I am drinking got, some of my Colorado beer. Uh, Drew, Drew's not familiar. I went out to Colorado. <laughs> it does it kind like of, an old but can it's of so kerosene. Awesome. This is from Mount Brewery <laughs> um, in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Um, it is their Summer Haze Hazy IPA. This is actually really light on alcohol. Uh, it's 5.1 ABV, which is not all that high for an IPA. It's also not got an, a lot of bite. It's got just enough and enough fruity flavor to remind you that it is a, a citrus IPA and a hazy IPA, but it is very smooth drinking. Um, great session beer. Um, love it. By the way, Drew, this is right. really why John does the show. Not wrong. Yeah, he likes to talk about his beers. He, he he will not wax that poetically about JJ. You guys won't Watt. let me wax poetically right. <laughs> players. As soon as I start doing that, you'll, I'll I'll get smacked down. So I stick to my lane, which is beer. <laughs> I need I to have... I need to try before before you hop into that. I need to yeah, try yeah. Um, the spotted cow. I've heard fantastic things. On my I've way to Colorado, one. I went through so Nebraska I'm... and I tried to. I ate at a Runza. Which I think is like you you have to do that. It's sort of like yes. if you go to Wisconsin, you have to have a spotted cow. If you go through you Nebraska, to. you have to eat it or run <laughs> Um it was yes. weird. I, I'm not I'm not used to <laughs> it's it is a food product. I'm not sure what kind of food product it is. <laughs> I'm like this is kinda of like a burrito <laughs> and awesome. a pasty and it's other stuff too. <laughs> so it's the most it's, tepid. I, I will say uh, a runza if you have a runza inside the game, it is a totally different Probably, experience yeah. than maybe driving through, you know, Gothenburg, Nebraska, you know, getting some curly fries and, and a runza. So if you ever get a chance to go to Memorial Stadium and have one in the stadium, I think your taste buds will have a, a different experience. Okay, that's – I'll – Yeah, maybe you don't know where to call it. And, 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 maybe, and maybe bring a few of those spotted cows and have a couple of those before as well. On yeah, <laughs> just to warm up, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Justin, what are you? I love it. You, oh, I'm sorry. Ryan, uh, Ryan, no, Ryan. Oh, it's Ryan. I want to see. I want to hear what he's got this week because, no, this man, is, the stuff you've had lately. This is pretty normal. <laughs> the last couple. Of, so the last one I had was like a kelp beer with uh, oysters in it, and then the one before that <laughs> the was ugliest Congo line in crazier. the world. This Wasn't is just a normal like hazy that? IPA. Yeah, yeah. It was. It I, I was, think it was like laced with LSD and a couple. It was dark. <laughs> it was angry. It was horrible. Beer is legendary. It was like eighteen <laughs> percent. World's ugliest Congo. It was. Wine it was all called. things terrible. This is just a normal hazy IPA. It's super simple. It's Captain Lawrence. It's super simple, and I needed to tone it down from the last couple of weeks to let my body recover. So, um, I also wanted to be able to speak intelligently with a guest on the show. So I can't. I can't be doing the world's worst conga line. Um, so that's what I got, <laughs> Justin. Where are you at today? I'm simple. I I just have a, a vanilla porter from uh, Breckenridge Brewery. Um, I just wanted something light. Took it easy. It's, I've I've said that one on here before. It's a good beer. Uh, I, I put it kind of in the middle of the pack for the vanilla porters I've had before. It's good flavor. Not the best I've ever had, but not the worst by far. So I actually want to take that last line and, and flip it to Drew. Not the best I've ever had. Not the worst I've ever had. Nice and simple. Adrian Martinez. What are we expecting this year? <laughs> that is, first of all, I have to say that's a that is a hell of a transition. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that is. <laughs> That was that was fantastic. It was. You're a you're at this point you're a Syracuse broadcast journalism graduate. Um, no, I, I, I think Adrian Martinez. The thing with him is, is you know he had like a seventy, seventy one and a half percent completion percentage last year. He's a guy that um, I think Nebraska fans yeah. both love and hate at the same time. And I say that, I say that you know, begrudgingly because I think he's really a great person and I think off the field he does a lot of great things and I and I and I couldn't be happier with the way that he represents Nebraska. I think um, you know, for us part of the part of the problem is really not even at the quarterback position. It's been at the receiver and the running back spot where, you know, you talked about transfers earlier, Justin, like we lost uh Brace Washington, who came in with Scott Frost in two thousand and eighteen and you know, was a true home run threat at running back. And then, um, you know, our receiving core obviously took a hit with some of the additional departures they have with Marcus Fleming and losing a guy to graduation like Stanley Morgan and, you know, not having a guy that really could take the the top off of the defense. And so naturally what happened was the, the, the offense moved closer to the line of scrimmage. So you saw a lot of sort of swing passes, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of, you know, quick outs and slants and those kind of things. It was it was a large majority of the plays, and I and I think part of the reason that the fan base you know gets so upset is they just repeatedly watch this and they say, well, why are we doing this on a consistent basis? Well, you know, if you don't have the the threat, you don't have the guy that can take the top off the defense. You don't have the guy that can run a post. You don't have the guy that can run a good corner. You don't have a guy that can, you know, really run those routes that are 12, 15, 20 yards down the field. Um, as a quarterback, your options are limited, and so. They obviously the Luke McCaffrey experience happened last year, and you know you wish him the best of luck with with Rice um, moving forwards. But I think Adrian is a guy that Nebraska honestly can win games with. You know, do I think they could win the title, the Big Ten title with him? Probably not. Um, but I think he's a guy that Nebraska, Nebraska could definitely win games with. He's an accurate passer. He, um, you know, is a, is a is a dual threat guy that is not afraid to take off and run, especially in the last game of the year against Rutgers. I think you saw a lot of times where 
you know, he was able to, whether it was on a designed run or even on a, on a scramble, take off and run. He had, he had a, a couple touchdown runs in the game, and he's done everything from, you know, traditional option runs to zone reads to QB sweeps and QB powers. I mean, he's really a guy that, you know, can use his legs, and it has the size also to withstand some of the hits. So um, I think going forward with him, whether it's one or two years that he decides to, to stay, um, he's a guy that Nebraska can lean on as they try to sort of build. But I think his ultimate ceiling is decided on whether or not the receiving core, you know, Samore Torre and, um, you know, Omar Manning and Oliver Martin and some of these other guys that either had, you know, high praises coming into Nebraska or transferred in from an FCS level that were very well accomplished. You know, if they step up and come in and compete at a level that is, you know, Big Ten caliber or even, you know, all Big Ten caliber for some of them, depending on their backgrounds, you know, that will really give the opportunity for Adrian to take that next step as a quarterback. Omar Manning, he, he mm-hmm. feels like the the sort of the Moby Dick of Nebraska football right now. Like everyone's looking at when, when is Omar Manning going to get here? Maybe it's more like uh, waiting for uh, Godot or something like that. I don't know. Or waiting for Guffman. <laughs> Maybe it's that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where everyone's like, oh, Omar Manning guy. I remember the the hype around him, and uh, some boards, um, Nebraska boards threads were, you know, hundreds of messages long talking about just about Omar Manning before he'd even played a game. Yes, he was, and then he like just started, he, was, he would appear, and then he'd disappear, yeah. and he'd appear and disappear. Uh, do they expect big things out of him? He's supposed to be that yeah. that great wide receiver who's going to finally enable them to go over the top. First of all, it's a great question. First of all, I should have also mentioned Xavier Betts in the category of receivers that I think has an opportunity to stand out at Nebraska. So uh, apologies to Xavier. But um, Omar specifically, you know, last year came in, like you said, with extremely high expectations. Um, You know, number one Juco receiver when he signed with Nebraska. Uh, he's a guy that had, at the time, had a different body type than who Nebraska had recruited at receivers. So previously, Nebraska had recruited a lot of speed, you know, looking less at height, right? So you had a guy like Wondell Robinson, you know, a 5'9". You had a Marcus Fleming who was, you know, sitting at six foot generously. You had other receivers that were being recruited, uh, maybe with less of an emphasis on height. No, here comes Omar Manning, um, you know, 6'4", long arms, long strides, highly rated, and Nebraska really thought he was a guy that could take over for what Stanley Morgan did in Scott Frost's first year, which was have that deep threat, you know, really provide that ability to open things up underneath and also take the top off the defense. I think with Omar, um, from what I understand and, and who I've been able to talk to and just what I've been able to read, a lot of his struggles were more mental last year. And, you know, I don't want to make any judgment on on that, obviously, you know, again, as a pandemic year, he's far from home in Texas. Um, you know, he was adjusting to college life. And from what I, again, I understand, part of the reason he didn't play more last year was he wasn't even practicing that last year. And so uh, Nebraska fans ex- definitely had extremely high expectations for him when he first signed. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him on the field last year. All indications are this year, you know, those problems have either been resolved or they no longer are as pertinent as they once were. And we're expecting to see Omar on the field. And I think, you know, even though, um, even though he didn't produce last year, I think there's still this, you know, hope that given his background, given his natural talent, given his, 
you know, physical traits that he can really make an impact at Nebraska before his time is done. Is there, if, if you were to look at this season, Drew, can you give us a reason, one reason why Nebraska exceeds expectations and one reason why they fall short of expectations? Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, this is probably part of being a fan. I'm really excited for this year. I think it would have been you know, horrible. The defense if made just a huge said, jump uh, last I'm, year. I'm not excited it, at all for this year. <laughs> uh, I can't think of a reason. No, but you, no. But you yeah, also yeah. have to be the anti fan and give me a reason why they don't. I, I definitely can. I definitely can. So I'll, I'll start with the defense. I'll start with the defense. No, I think you know it always helps if you have an all conference caliber lineman. You know, on the especially on the defensive side of the line, and Ben Stilley is that guy for Nebraska. He was really a difference maker when he got moved inside. Um, and Nebraska has, especially since moving to a three man front, finally gotten guys to you know fit that system. So, um, you know, Ty Robinson is another guy that I think could break out on the defensive line. And then you know the linebacking play has significantly improved last year, last two years. It's unfortunate that Will Honus suffered a torn ACL in spring camp and is probably out for the year. But, you know, Luke Reimer's a guy that really came on strong last year and has the opportunity, I think, to impress this year. And then, you know, if you also look at some of the, quote, super senior guys that returned for Nebraska, a lot of those guys are on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, they're coming back to to hopefully make another jump. I think they jumped from like 70-something to thir- you know, mid-30s in S&P total defense rating ranking. So, um uh, you know, if you're looking for signs of encouragement, you would expect the defense to make another jump. And I think offensively, you would hope that it's less offensive um, in that you know, <laughs> they're able to they're able to finish drives. And hopefully, you know, by changing to a receiving corpse that has a little more size and utilizing some more of the tight end weapons that Nebraska has in, in the depth that they have uh, in their coffers that, you know, you can turn things around. There's also from a scheduling perspective. The Illinois game is no doubt the biggest game of, of the Scott Frost era. I mean, it's it's massive. Like the momentum that Nebraska could gather from winning that game, it, I just can't understate it. You know, you beat Illinois on the road. One, you're getting a conference win, a division win right off the bat. Two, you know, that leads you to an opportunity. You're playing Fordham the next week at home. You would presume that that would be a win. And then Buffalo, you know, who was very good last year, but no Jarrett Patterson, no Lance Leipold has lost a ton. There's been a ton mm-hmm. of transfers since Lance Leipold's gone to Kansas. You would expect Nebraska to win that game. So if Nebraska's 3-0 and heading into Oklahoma, you know, that's a much different conversation than if they lose on national television on Fox in the first game of the college football season in week zero to Illinois Mm -hmm. and Brett Bielema's first game. So if you're looking for reasons for optimism, you know, there you go. The opening part of the schedule is, is manageable. The defense made a big jump last year. I think they can make another big jump this year. I think the offense, while they definitely have a way to go, I think there are reasons to believe where you could, you know, see some optimism. Now, if you want to, if you want me to look at it from the opposite lens, um, you know, there, we still don't have a true pass rusher, and there is definitely just a cap on how good you can be, especially in a three-four defense without that true pass rushing edge. You know, a guy as Wisconsin fans are very familiar with. You guys have had a plethora of really elite guys over the course of the years, but you know. Caleb Tanner for us is, is a guy that you would hope could make a jump. He's, he's, he came in with super high expectations. And I, I mean, 
this is just me personally, but I don't know if the if the the work ethic is there. I, I just personally, I you know, I I from what I've seen, from what I've from what I've been able to gather, um, you know, super talented and super athletic. I don't know if the the love of the game and the you know the really the want to is there. Um, the other guy on the defensive line, from a pass rushing perspective, to keep an eye on would be Garrett Nelson, and he played very well against. Uh, Rutgers at the end of the season in the last game on that Champions Weekend, you know, a Nebraska guy really cares, really wants to do, really works hard, and those are the guys that Nebraska fans and and the coaching staff tends to to bond around. So, um, but if you're looking for a reason again for for you know a an optimist view on why Nebraska could be good, they don't have a true pass rusher on the defensive line. The receiving corps, while I mentioned, you know, all those guys, very unproven. It's, you know, some FCS transfers. It's, you know, their best receiver transferred out. You know, Xavier Betts couldn't get on the field last year because he didn't know the playbook. Omar Manning, we already talked about. Um, there's definitely a question mark there. And the raw talent is there, but, you know, raw talent doesn't always necessarily lead straight to results. The other part is that the running back position you know, Nebraska's extremely unproven there. Uh, Ronald Tompkins transferred out who, you know, played some against Ohio State, um, was going to be more of a depth guy this year. He had kind of battled injuries since he had been at Nebraska. Um, look for Gabe Irvin, who's a freshman, to potentially get some carries as well. But, um, you know, even a guy out of, out of New Jersey, Ramir Johnson, who was a four-star guy, um, Nebraska fans are wanting to see more there. So, I think there's still some question marks on the offensive side of the ball in terms of the skill positions uh, and, and defensively, you know, a lack of a pass rush. Being the Big Ten West and obviously uh, with the, the offensive struggles you guys had somewhat last year with the passing game and, and not having a true deep threat, obviously offensive line play, huge factor in the entire in our entire division. Where do you see the, the Nebraska offensive line coming into this year? It's a phenomenal question. Um, you know, I think Nebraska is lucky to have been sort of set at tackle uh, with Bryce Benhart and Turner Corcoran uh, for the foreseeable Bryce, future. Bryce Benhart is a guy that I'm really at center excited to. I think he's going to be extremely good. Yeah, we're also all salty yeah. because we, as Wisconsin we fans, thought for a long time we had the. Yeah, really we, thought were, that we, we were greedy that year. We were very yeah. greedy that year. We really we wanted him. Just could not lock him down. You know, I think, um, I think, and I'll do a quick aside here. I think if you look at like those really great Wisconsin offensive lines, and if you look at even like two years ago, and I'm going to say this team and you guys are not going to be happy, but even two years ago when Minnesota was really good, if you look like the size on the offensive line, just in terms of height and weight, like that really makes a difference, especially in the division. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a lot of teams that still play that sort of traditional style of football, right? Like I think the big 10 West, if you like, if you just look in a capsule, like the style of offenses and defenses that are run in the Big Ten West it is so different from the rest of the you know major college football that defense you, that really makes West. a difference on a consistent it, it basis. It begins and ends there. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, and it does, and and that's why that's why a team like Northwestern has been you know you look at a guy like yep. Pat Fisher, you know, like that dude was everywhere. But yep. I mean, 
Northwestern gets to the title game, you know, wins the division because they have an extremely sound defense. The offense does just enough, and they're able to beat teams like Nebraska, who maybe outgain them, maybe outtalent them, but don't have the composure to either finish drives or the discipline to, you know, ultimately win those kinds of games. Um, to answer the question about the offensive line, so I said the ta- I feel really good about tackle. I think the biggest question mark is on the interior. And, you know, Cam Jurgens, I think, is an extremely good athlete. And I actually, you know, he came in as a, as a really highly regraded or really highly. He was a four-star uh, tight end, if recruit. I'm not mistaken. And, you know, there was some, yeah, he was a tight end. And there was some thought maybe he could play linebacker. And he wound up being transitioned into a center. And he has, when he snaps the ball well, and again, I'll get to that in a second. When he snaps the ball, <laughs> out, he he's he's athletic enough to do what you need a center to do in this offense. He's great at the reach blocks. He's great at mm-hmm. pulling on some of the quarterback runs. He is an athlete first, learning to be a lineman, and that also has caused the issue with the snaps. Where you know you saw the Iowa game last year specifically, where there was two or three in the first half. Do you do you think he he was waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night hearing claps in his sleep? <laughs> it's possible. Like, it's a... Trev Albert said we don't make excuses in Nebraska, and I said, "Well, are you doing?" turning a new page with Trev. Yeah, yeah. Starting today, I'm putting my foot down. We're not making any excuses. Um, no, I think I think with him, all of the natural athleticism is there. Like. If you look at a offensive line prospect in terms of like how he's able to carry the weight that he carries, how he's able to move at that weight, like that's what you want out of an offensive lineman. And obviously, as Wisconsin podcast, you guys can appreciate phenomenal offensive line play. I think for him, the biggest thing is going to be mental. Can you just consistently get the snap back in a great place so that you know the play can be run as expected? Um, and the guard spots are, are up for grabs as well. Um, you know, Ethan Piper's a guy that I think, you know, will probably play a lot this year. I feel as though ultimately the depth in the offensive line has probably been as good as, um, you know, it's been since Nebraska has been here. I think originally when, you know, Nebraska, when the coaching staff first showed up, there was probably, if I had to guess, you know, two guys that they felt great about when they first arrived. And I think now they feel as though they could even rotate some guys in and be, be okay there. So um, the, the question is going to be again, really more on offense about the skill positions where do you have the guys that even if the offensive line gives the time, because run, you know, run offense, Nebraska really hasn't been that bad in big Ten. I think they were fourth last year and, uh, you know, rushing yards per game. And, and, you know, Nebraska's not been terrible. The The real question is going to be from the skill positions, can those guys be differentiators on the outside, get open and, you know, really open up the offense for, for Scott Frost in Nebraska? So I, I have one more question for you, Drew. Earlier, earlier in our podcast, we did an over-under for every Big Ten West team. We took Vegas's yeah. kind of projection. Nebraska was set at six. Yep. Um, I'll have it be known that I was the sole person that went over on Nebraska. I was the there we go. I was the hey. sole guy, not throwing anyone under the bus, but I thought it improved defense. I, I thought um, I pushed. All right, I said six. <laughs> so, I was the one guy who went over. Not trying I to, again. It's probably, to be better this year. It probably comes from my Nebraska fandom as a kid. 
But Probably. where are you at? If, if I give you six as uh, Nebraska's over-under this year, where are you at on that? So I mentioned earlier in the schedule to start the year, you know, Nebraska, if they're going to go over, they have to start 3 and I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. You have to win at how, Illinois. How many times do you Florida think they're going to show? This is the last time Nebraska played Brett Bielema highlights before that game. Over, under on that, yeah. like five or more. No, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's going to be bad. Oh. Yeah, I'm. I hope it's zero. No, it will not. It zero. won't be zero. It's going to be. It's. 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 No. It's going to be. It's going to be a lot, and I'll deal with that. You know, separately, but. Um, I, I, you know, again, if they're gonna if they're gonna hit the over, they have to start three and zero. You're realistically not beating Oklahoma no matter what. I mean, that's I think all Nebraska fans understand and know that. I think the the hope there is that you're competitive, right? Like mm-hmm. you want to play that game, and you want it to be a game where Nebraska does good things like, and, and I'll, and I'll get back to the question in a second, but even last year when we got blown out by Ohio state, like Nebraska competed yep. in the first half of that mm-hmm. game. They did hundred like, percent. They came out and they like, they like, like, I mean, people like, I'm sure if you listen to this, you can, you can laugh because you look at the score and you'd be like, that's, they got blown out. And like, we played. You guys look much better in the trenches yes, in that game. Yes. Like we played hard. It was a physical game. Like more than midway through the second quarter, it was 14 apiece. And Nebraska got some stops. And you're thinking, like, okay, like this team has shown some growth. And for where the bar is currently, like, I'm not saying they're gonna win the game. I'm not even saying they're gonna be leading at half. None of that. But where the bar is at currently, like you wanna see that kind of a result, even if the final score winds up being similar. Like, like, like that Big Ten title game where you guys came out in the first half and, you know, you guys were winning at halftime. Like, yeah. you hate to say moral victories. You hate, you literally hate to say it because you want to win the game, right? But, like, that's how you – that's the validation. Like, okay, this thing is kind of moving. 100%. Yes, for sure. 100%. And, obviously, you know, they had some turnovers in the second half and things sort of, you know, fell apart. We started playing some backups, yada, yada. But, like – that's what you want to see out of a game like that. And you hope that they don't get mentally discouraged from losing that game. Then mm-hmm. you're on the road at Michigan state, you know, you come home and you have a couple of key games, you're playing Northwestern and Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. If I had to choose one and you know, I, I am a gambler, so I will likely, choose, <laughs> I will likely choose the over. But the other reason why is, um, you know, if you look at the results against Iowa, the last three years since Scott Frost has been here, they've lost, all three games, but all three have been down to the wire. And I think the last two have been lost by a field goal or four points in one, maybe the last year was. Um, like, even looking at, like I said, the SP plus ratings, which I'm a big fan of, or, you know, the Vegas power ratings, like a guy like Brad Powers has his power ratings. Like, Nebraska is not that far off from, you know, a good record. I think some of the schedules and the record in the close games, the one possession games has gone against them. And so, you know, we kind of are where we are. If I had to choose, I would go over six games. Me too. But it's not, but but it would be, but it would be, but it would be, I mean, again, there is a path where I could definitely see Nebraska as an improved football team in 2021 and they win five football games just keeping the schedule. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I, so, I think all three of us, when we had the discussion regarding you guys for this year, viewed it as was that you guys were going to be improved. 
Yeah. What what that meant in terms of record was harder to quantify because, yes, your schedule, when we kind of went down the list, and you were one of the few teams that we kind of sat there and were like, yeah. well, who do they play to kind of figure yeah. this out? It's tough. And you start looking at some of those teams, and it's we, like, oh, man, these are not easy games. Like, these are – I think any other team in the big – maybe Minnesota. But the, outside of them, I think Nebraska was, was the hardest to call. Uh, yeah. oh. And Minnesota. Them and Iowa. <laughs> I think Nebraska is thirtieth in SP plus and Minnesota is thirty first, so that makes a lot of sense. And right. you know, you you can look at the schedule and you can say, okay, they're going to lose to Ohio State, they're going to lose to Oklahoma. So if they win seven games this year, that means they go seven and three in non-Ohio State Oklahoma games. Mm-hmm. Like that is absolutely progress. Oh, yes. oh that's awesome, right? That, that, I, that's I a great actually, step. Too. To throw it out there, I think I picked you guys to beat Minnesota. So I just want to thank you. Thank you. Yes, I love that. I love that. I love that. Listen, after last year, after last year, I you should have cried after the game. Illinois game, not the Minnesota game. The Illinois game was was crying worthy. That was bad. I, uh, that was that was. I showed up. Uh, you know, my my brother went to Nebraska, and he's a huge Husker fan. He lives in Charlotte, also. We watch all the games together. And I showed up. I think that it was a noon kick. I showed up to his apartment to watch the game at like twelve oh three, and they're already down seven to nothing. And I was like, "How in the world did this oh, happen? Why?" And the next thing you know, the punter is juking nobody in the middle of the open field, and he's running for a first <laughs> down, and it's forty-one to fourteen. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Wisconsin. So, um, it that play was horrendous, me. by the way. I, I recorded yeah. that play and sent it to my buddy and said, "I've never seen this ever." It was. It, he literally juked nobody. nobody. I've never seen that in my life. Down. It looked yeah, like a kid playing NCAA who had never played before, and he hit the like R two button without hit, realizing. He, yeah, he hit the right stick by accident, and he did the little that shake. That was the most yeah. mystifying game I watched in college football all of last year. I was like, "What on earth?" Oh, I lost money on that game. Um, but Same. Wisconsin fans know that feeling very, very well of, of inexplicably losing to Illinois and, and having your season just feel like a waste after that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, do do you want to rip the bandit off? Because we can. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't want to get too far down that road. But I that when you guys played that game, you had such a good team, and yes. that was, it was week before Ohio yep. State, right? When you guys, yeah, it played. was the week before Ohio State. The week before, yeah. And I you think could tell they weren't locked in just the way that game uh, started, and it's like, oh, we're making this so much tougher than it has to be. And if you want me to talk myself into Nebraska over, this is how you do it. You say every week <laughs> in college football, who knows yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> yep. <you know>? Yep. <laughs> yep. That's so painful. We we can't get too far down like the painful losses road because we just this that's podcast that's a totally to devolve into like a bunch of tears of, and of uh, like comparison of battle wounds. <laughs> like, oh, you think that was heartbreaking? Look at this. Yeah, we can you definitely can always go back to that, that Texas game in your last Big Twelve championship game. Oh my god! Which gosh. was and by the way, did you by know? The way, did you know that, that was it's not uh, even that's reviewable. the one I was a closet Nebraska fan. It's like not even game, reviewable. That gets, you can't review that. That's even reviewable. I know. And you can't review that. He's wagging his fingers. Oh, hey. my gosh. I swear. Uh, first of all, I live in I live in North Carolina. Mac Brown coaches. Can't review it. I still hate him. It literally was not. <laughs> it's not reviewable. Not reviewable. The only reason, the only reason it got added on was Donovan Sue was so good that he broke yep. the, the offensive line for Texas. Got to Colt McCoy in time and hit a bench on the offense on the yep. side and squeaked on the, on the side of the upright. I I feel the pain coming off of you. That game was oh, heart wrenching. That's the greatest defensive Awful. game I've ever seen anybody play in my life. Awful. So so way to go ahead and you know 
stick your finger in the wound. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's Does this okay. hurt? <laughs> no. Drew will no, never come okay. on this show again. This is like painful shock therapy. <laughs> that game oh, was... Believe me, believe me. We could dive into so many Badger games. Do we want to get into no, the crushing no, not, no. Michigan State? No, we won't oh, do this. I was going to bring up the hit. Yeah. I mean, not not to even go there, but I'm a Suns fan, so my Great. team just lost the finals. There we go. So, oh, not sorry. to even go there, but but Drew, we have already kept you for an hour, man. Um, so we don't yeah. want to keep you any longer because we would love to have you on the show again. Um, yeah. Maybe in the the week before Nebraska Wisconsin this year, we can get you on and we can talk matchups and how both teams are doing. Yeah, I would love that. I think yeah, you know, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you guys. Obviously, you know, I enjoyed sharing the beer with you guys and talking a little. Yeah, I get to work on that. That's gonna get warm. I know, I know. I've been talking too much. That's how I know I've been talking too much. Yeah, we're already two in. Crawler, yeah, yeah. Well, this is my third. So. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, you've had time to sit back and drink while he talks. Well, Drew, where, true. where can people find your stuff, Drew? If they, if they want some yeah. good insight on a on a rival Big Ten West team. Yeah. So you, 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 first of all, you know, you mentioned earlier, I'm a moderator on Husker board. Uh, you can, you can go to huskerboard.com and you know, we have great discussions on there. If you want to follow a little bit of a Yukon and Nebraska football, uh, craze Twitter account, which is an interesting combination. You can follow me at speed underscore in underscore space on Twitter. I pour my heart out. I pour my heart out on Twitter. I also break some news occasionally, some scheduling news. Um, and, you know, I do a bunch of other stuff on there. So it's a lot of fun, and, and hopefully you guys enjoyed listening. And, and if, you, if you want to follow along with the Nebraska heartbreak as the year goes on, as well as the <laughs> certainly do, you know, follow. It's fun. It's, um, it's, it's a fun ride. The highs are high. The lows are, yep. are very, very, very low. So um, yes. Yeah, thank you very <laughs> much. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys. This is a lot of yeah, fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Drew. Cool. We'll chat soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.